0: Chapter 18. His Mark. As we were walking down the end of the wharf towards the ship, quig carrying his harpoon, Captain Peleg, in his gruff voice, loudly hailed us from his wigwam, saying he had not suspected my friend was a cannibal, and furthermore announcing that he let no cannibals on board that craft unless they previously produced their papers. "'What do you mean by that, Captain Peleg?' said I, now jumping on the bulwarks and leaving my comrades standing on the wharf. "'I mean,' he replied, "'he must show his papers.' "Yea," said Captain Bill Dan "'in his hollowed voice, "'sticking his head out from behind Pelegs, "'out of the wigwam. "'He must show that he's converted, "'son of darkness,' he added, "'turning to Quigqueg. "'Art thou at present in the communion "'with the Holy Christian Church?' "'Why,' said I, "'he's a member of the First Congregational Church. "'Here be it said "'that many tattooed savages "'sailing in Nantucket ships "'at last come to be converted "'into the churches.' First Congregational Church, cried Bildad. What? That worships in Deacon Deuteronomy Coleman's Meeting House? And so saying, taking out his spectacles, he rubbed them with his great yellow bandana handkerchief, and putting them on very carefully, came out of the wigwam, and leaning stiffly over the bulwarks, took a good long look at Quigquag. How long hath he been a member? he then said, turning to me. Not very long, I rather guess, young man. No, said Peleg. And he hasn't been baptized right either, or it would have washed some of the devil's blue off his face. Do tell now, cried Bildad. Is this Philistine a regular member of Deacon Deuteronomy's meetings? I never saw him going there, and I pass it every Lord's Day. I don't know anything about Deacon Deuteronomy or his meeting, said I. All I know is that Quig-Quig is a born member of the First Congregational Church. He is a deacon himself, quig is. Young man said Bildad sternly. Thou art skylarking with me. Explain yourself, thou young Hittite. What church does thee mean? Answer me. Finding myself thus hard-pushed, I replied, I mean, sir, the same ancient Catholic church to which you and I and Captain Peleg there and quig here and all of us and every mother's son and soul of us belong, the great and everlasting first congregation of this whole worshipping world. We all belong to that. Only some of us cherish some queer crochets nowadays, touching the grand belief. In that, we all join hands. Splice! Thou meant splice, hands! cried Peleg, drawing near. Young man, you'd better ship off for missionary, instead of a foremast hand. I never heard a better sermon. Deacon Deuteronomy, why Father Maple himself couldn't beat it. And he's reckoned something. Come aboard, come aboard. Never mind about the papers, I say. I tell Quahog there— What's that you call him? Tell Cohog to step along. By the great anchor, what a harpoon he's got there. Looks like good stuff, that. And he handles it about right. I say Cohog or whatever your name is. Did you ever stand in the head of a whale boat? Did you ever strike a fish? Without saying a word, Quig in his wild sort of way, jumped upon the bulwark from thence into the bows of one of the whale boats hanging on the side, and then bracing his left knee, poised his harpoon, cried out in some such way as of this. Cap'n, you see him small drop tar into water, dare. You see him? Well, s'pose him one eye, well den.' And taking sharp aim at it, he darted the iron right over old Bildad's broad brim, clean crossed the ship's decks, and struck the glistening tar pot out of sight. "'Now,' said quig quietly hauling the line, "'s'pose him whaley eye, why, dead whale's dead.' Quick, Bildad, said Peleg, his partner, who, aghast at the close vicinity of the flying harpoon, had retreated toward the cabin gangway. Quick, I say, you Bildad, and get the ship's papers. We must have Hedgehog there, I mean Cohog, in one of our boats. Look ye Cohog, we'll give ye the ninth lay, and that's what's more than ever given a harpooner yet out of Nantucket. So down we went into the cabin, and to get my great joy, Quigquig was soon enrolled among the ship's company, to which I myself belonged. When all preliminaries were over and Peleg had gotten everything ready for signing, he turned to me and said, "'I guess Quahog there don't know how to write, does he?' "'I say Cohog, blast ye. Doesn't thou sign thy name or make thy mark?' But at this question, Quigquag, who had once or thrice been taken apart of similar ceremonies, looked no way abashed, but taking the offered pen, copied upon the paper in the proper place, an exact counterpart of a queer round figure— which was tattooed upon his arm, so that through Captain Peleg's obstinate mistake touching his appellative, he stood something like this. Cohog, His. X, Mark. Meanwhile, Captain Bildad sat earnestly and steadfastly eyeing quig and at last, rising solemnly and fumbling in his huge pockets of his broad-shirted drab coat, took out a bundle of tracks, and selecting one entitled The Latter Day Coming, or No Time to Lose, placed it in Quigquag's hands, and then grasped them, and the book, with both of his, looked earnestly into his eyes and said, "'Son of darkness, I must do my duty by thee. I am part owner of this ship and feel concerned for the soul of all its crew. If thou hast clingest to thy pagan ways, which I sadly fear, I beseech thee, remain not, for I a Belial bondsman. Spurn the idle bell and the hideous dragon. Turn from the wrath to come, mind thine eye, I say.' Oh, goodness gracious, steer clear of the fiery pit. Something of the salt sea yet lingered in Bildad's language, heterogeneously mixed with scriptural and domestic phrases. Avast there, avast there, Bildad, avast now spoiling our harpooner, cried Peleg. Pious harpooners never make good voyagers. It takes the shark out of them. No harpooner is worth a straw who ain't been pretty sharkish. There was young Nat Swain, once the bravest boat-header out of Nantucket and the vineyard. He joined the meeting, and never came to good. He got so frightened about his plaguey soul that he shrieked and sheered away from Wales, for fear of the afterclaps, in case he got stove and went to Davy Jones. "'Peleg, Peleg,' said Bildad, lifting his eyes and hands, self as myself hast seen a man a perilous time. Thou knowest, Peleg, what it is to have the fear of death.' How, then, canst thou prate in this ungodly guise? Thou beliest thy own heart, Peleg. Tell me, when this same Pequod here had thee massed overboard in that typhoon on Japan, that same voyage when thou went mate with Captain Ahab, didst thou not think of death and judgment then? Hear him, hear him now, cried Peleg, marching across the cabin and thrusting his hands far down his pockets. Hear him, all of ye, think of that!' When every moment we thought the ship would sink, death and judgment then? What? With all three masts making such an everlasting thundering against the side, and every sea breaking over us, fore and aft, think of death and judgment then? No. No time to think about death then. Life was what Captain Ahab and I was thinking of. And how to save all hands, how to rig jury masts, how to get into the nearest port. That was what I was thinking of. Bildad said no more, but buttoning up his coat, stalked on deck, where we followed him. There he stood, very quietly overlooking some sail markers, who were mending a top sail in the waist. Now and then, he stooped to pick up a patch, or save an end of tarred twine, which otherwise might have been wasted.